Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, good evening, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. We've gone totally, well not quite global, we've definitely gone European today. Uh, I'm here in um, sunny, sunny London, or not so sunny, London. Uh, and we've got two guys in Holland and one guy in Denmark. Alex, since um, me and you are probably going to do most of the sensible conversation tonight, uh, how are you? Very well, despite of the, the result uh, this weekend. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm very well, got exams coming up, so busy with that. Uh, but otherwise, well, thank you. Dan, you're in Dam. When you're in Amsterdam, does, what goes on tour stays on tour, is it? I am. Does uh, anyone want a brownie? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I told you, Ferg. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought he was quite relaxed. <laughs> Mate, it's, um, it's pretty good over here. You order, you order your pancakes for breakfast, and they say, "What do you want with it? Do you want strawberries? Do you want cream? Or do you want a bit of fanny on the side?" You, you get a lot over here. Mm. Trevor, it's not like that in Eindhoven. It's purely Guinness and uh, and and Bavarian beer, isn't it? Yeah, we've had a few few beers. It's, it's not. I mean, there's a few Arsenal fans about, but it's not overly busy. And so we've had a few beers, and that's about it, really. Yeah. Old age just kicked in with me now, so I'm done for the day. Um, house that opposite me, also known as uh, Jamie O'Hara, having a um, hello, Dale. Hello, oh, Dale. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's watching, he he's know. actually watching this on, he's opposite me watching this on our phone, so it'll be a few seconds behind. Once he was giving me the big middle finger now, which means he's caught up with us. Yeah, but Dale's been a, Dale's been a good lad. I said to him to stay out because I'm, I'm feeling the old age. But he's, he's come back. We're sat in the hotel bar. He's got a beer. I've got nothing at all. Just come to talk to you. Wonderful people. I could do with a bit of what Dan's got, actually. I think that'd liven me up nicely. Trevor, it's not old age. You're starting at Stansted yeah. Airport at 9 o'clock in the morning that's done you. Listen, we've got a lot to go through. Uh, we've got the Luton game. We've got the Villa game. And obviously the reason that you guys are out in Holland, the Eindhoven game, uh, coming up tomorrow night, which is a bit of a dead rubber, but still, it's uh, clearly a good piss up in Holland. Um, <laughs> uh, um, Rice injury time header gave Arsenal a win over Luton, seven goal thriller. Um, Arsenal had not won at Kenilworth Road since 1984, so 10 game run. Obviously, they haven't been in the league for a number of years. But the lineups, if we look at the lineups, uh, first of all, it was Saka's 200th uh, um, appearance for Arsenal. And in the lineups, we had Raya, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Kivior, um, Rice, Havertz, Odegaard, Saka, Martelli, and Jesus. Um, Dan, what did you make of the, the, the lineup, and in particular, Kivior starting instead of, uh, well, Zinchenko because Tommy was injured? I mean, I think he's probably gone there for, for the height, right? That's probably the reason why he put him in the team. Um, didn't seem to work with the set pieces. So uh, I think there was an idea behind the plan, but I'm not sure it really worked there. No, 
No. Um, Alex, um, what did you make of the lineup and the bench wasn't that strong? And we saw that again uh, at the Villa game. Um, we, we seem to be, with the few niggling injuries we've got, it is making an impact on the overall depth of the squad. Yeah, I think clearly we're lacking depth when, depth when you look at our bench. Um, we had the likes of Reese Nielsen, um, Eddie. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, we're missing a lot of players. Luckily, uh, Smith Rose come back now, so hopefully he'll he'll be fit to go soon. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're lacking some options off the bench, which um, we had at the start of the season, but um, we haven't got at the moment. So we're quite dependent on the eleven players uh, starting at the moment. Trevor Kenilworth Road um, would quite be quite um, intimidating, uh, tight atmosphere. You're on mute, mate. Um, tight atmosphere. No, not um, and 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 a and, a, and a, a ground that you you probably have been to before. Give us an idea of what it would have felt like for those players um, turning up the Kenilworth Road and, and even the fans as well. And what? Sorry, you broke up the fans. Me. Like the players and, and the fans, what they would have felt. Uh, uh, the players and the fans. Oh, fans. What they, they fans talk properly. Yeah. Um, and mate, mate, it, it, it's fine. We were, we were good enough to win the game at, at Luton by more than the one goal we did. Um, I think that the, the ground and the fans didn't come into it. I just think on the night, we let a couple of soft goals in. Um, otherwise, we played really well. I'm wondering whether um, Kivior it was played because we've not been, <laughs> we've not been offering so much down the left. I, I think that you know, Martinelli struggles to make as much of an impression when he's got Zinchenko behind him because Zinchenko don't stay wide. Whereas on the other side, all our place seems to be coming down the right. Um, so I'm wondering whether he just fancied to change Kivior or whether he thought that it was going to be that easy that he could play a slightly weakened side. I don't know, but the, the fans at, at Luton and the ground would have meant nothing to that result. Um, we were worth our win. We should have won by more. Okay, so um, the the game started off quite tight. I, but I, my observation of looking at um, what it felt like at, at Kenworth Road, that the pitch was very, very small. We talked about it in the car down on the way up to, to Villa, that within two or three kicks... Like the ball was from your own box into their box, and that that gave us a, a difficult time just to get into the flow of of play. Added to that, Luton came out and they gave it their all. They pressed and pressed and pressed on us. Dan, um, were you impressed with how Luton came? And we saw against City again at the weekend as well. How Luton came and, and set up? I mean, they're always going to come out and put a bit of intensity into it, right? And they they did it against City as well. And they did it on a small pitch. And I think you mentioned it the other day. It was a bit like a cup game where they just, the atmosphere of the ground and and it's that sort of atmosphere that that makes it a bit tighter. And, you know, they obviously have to make up for their lack of quality somewhere. Um, and, yeah, they they, they, they put, the, put their foot in a lot. They closed us down well in a small pitch and made us sort of play to their strengths really rather than ours. But... We dug the result out, and I think we we got a good result out of it. You look at the City result as well. Um, there's the Liverpool game as well. I think Spurs only won there by a goal. So mm. yeah, teams that think they're going to go there and roll them over, I think are going to get a bit of a shock this season. Alex, you mentioned Jesus said he was phenomenal and basically had two assists to the goal. The first one I'm just going to show now, if you just want to talk talk through that as well, and and the influence of Jesus and the quick thinking of Jesus in this as well. 
Yeah, and that's that's what I meant by he he kind of had two assists because that all came from his quick thinking and his throwing. Um, so it's not going to count statistically, but for me that was that was kind of an assist with with the way he 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 thought quickly and and played that um, throwing into Saka, um, and then a great run by Havertz to draw a man to the to the front post. So Martinelli was completely free in the middle. Um, so yeah, just a really really good goal, and that's. That's what you kind of need when you when you um, get to a, a team like Luton, who who really play a low block, and and uh, we we struggle to break through that low block. But I mean, when you have players like Jesus, he brings that X factor, and and that's what we need to get the first goal. And it was also good just to, for Martinelli to to score because you know we just want to be able to sing this song. There's no way I've got no idea how to do the actions. How does it even go? By the way, is it that? I uh, I, I, I have I haven't got a clue. I'm, I struggle with the words, Dan. Can you imagine me trying to coordinate <laughs> my hands and words as well? I'd be like, someone, let someone try and put it in the chat. I, I want arrows to point to where I need to be. <laughs> Um, so, but it was a really good finish um, um, and fast action by by um, by uh, Jesus. But it wasn't long till um, I was thinking it was about five minutes till we lost that lead. Dan Osho, I think, was his first goal uh, in the Premier League for Luton. Um, have a look at this. And let us know what you think. Yeah, it's terrible. I'm not happy about it. Obviously. So, <laughs> no, so. I, um... I, I, you know what? We had such a good run where we didn't concede from set pieces. It's obviously going to happen. Um, I'm not too worried. I think Luton, that's where their strength is. I'd like to see us get back to where we were last year, where we've got a good run um, with, with set pieces. We seem to have conceded a couple more. I think we also lack a bit of balance with some of the players we've got in the team at the minute, which worries me a bit more. Um, Expand what you mean by that. We've got no, and you've got no Partey in there as well. I think Partey's a bit underestimated how good he is in the air as well. Um, a little bit from last year, even with, without Tommy, with Ben White in there, I think Tommy's better in the air, and I think that contributes to it a little bit as well. Yeah, Trevor, um, uh, towards the end of the first half, then we had a goal from Jesus. Uh, this was given the assist indirectly uh, and then uh, the goal from Jesus it was well deserved it was well worked it was a goal that was worked out from Ben White who gave a uh, given goal to Saka a lovely pass and return from White put it on the plate for Jesus and a lovely floating header into into the box really good goal well timed and you thought that was it the game the game was going to be done did you think Trev yeah it was a cracking goal wasn't it as I said it came it came where we've been making most of our Headway recently down the right, and uh, yeah, it, I'm, I'm, I was very happy with Ben White down there. I'm just just thinking about what Dan said, Dan, about the the uh, the the goal, Luton's goal. Yeah, we we were always going to give at some stage. You have to give a go, goal from the set piece, and that happened. So I wasn't overly worried about that goal. It was what came later that worried me greater. You know. When we when when Jesus scored that goal, we should have we should have gone away and won the game. But by the way, boys, the, the pitch ain't small at Luton. You know the pitch is 
the, the pitch looks small because the stands are very close to it. The pitch is as it's meant to be, you know, to Premier League standards. So I don't think we can blame that. I think we scored, at, I think to, for me, we, just looking at the bigger picture, we scored four. It's not us, but it was the, you know, what the, the goals we scored, scored weren't the problem at Luton. We scored four great goals at Luton, which is more than anybody has done all season. As Dan just said, you know, people are going to Luton and they're not winning by many. They're struggling. And I owe the lower teams an apology because on the last podcast I said that, you know, the, the lower teams were playing the worst football I've seen in the Premier League in a long time. And they come and proved me wrong last weekend. All of them had a great weekend and, and played really well. So they put me firmly in my place. But I, I still say at Luton, we scored four goals, which is more than many teams are going to score at Luton this year. It was what came on in reverse, what came in, in our goal that was the problem for me on the night. Mm. Uh, that came a lot long after the second half we had. Um, uh, Raya, uh, that, Dan, we had a conversation about Raya and there's a clip that I've got, which I probably won't show just yet, uh, and just a debate about Raya on this one. For me personally, I thought, uh, and I don't want to go into the, the Raya-Ramsdale debate as such, but I thought if Ramsdale was in this actual position, he probably would have dealt with the with the cross a little bit better um, than Raya. What, what was your thoughts on, on, on this one? I've, I've got no doubt Ramsdale would have probably dealt with that better because I think Ramsdale's strength is probably coming for crosses. But uh, again, I'm not going to get into the Ramsdale-Raya debate, but I, I feel like this one now is being pushed a lot by the media and that it's being pushed a bit too much. I think it's creating something in the media that a lot of Arsenal fans are jumping on as well. Um, I think we should be a bit better than that as Arsenal fans and, and not need to jump on their their propaganda. And I think the, mo the more I think about it, I think it's the media protecting a potential England number one in the future and prioritising England number one over a foreign keeper. I think if it was the opposite way around, where the U a UK keeper would come in and it was a, a foreign keeper on his way out, then I don't think the media would have the same agenda, if I'm totally honest with you. And I think it's... It, it's probably something that we just need to move past a bit, I think, as Arsenal fans and let them get on with. Um, I think it was match of the day. There was definitely a debate. I'm going to play the little clip, um, Dan, you sent to me. Uh, I won't play loads of it because otherwise copyright will kill us. But um, it's just interesting how they talk about it. Recently had a, a tricky afternoon. He hasn't played much. I, I bet, though, I bet, though, we wouldn't have analysed that second one tonight had it not been for the fact that Raya's come in and the whole competition with Ramsdale. I genuinely, I'm not sure we would have done. Maybe, because maybe. They, they... I, I, I don't think that's a really fair point, to be honest with you. I genuinely, like, you, you, can't, you can't crack um, sort of paper over the mistakes, right? We know he made a mistake. He made a couple of mistakes in that game. So there's no getting away from it. He, but I think we're making a bigger deal out of it than it actually is. I think he's actually had a very good run, Raya, in the team so far. I don't think he's made that many mistakes. He's had a few nervy moments. I think that's probably the worst of what I've seen so far. He's made a couple of mistakes in that game. But he's clearly our number one. He's not been dropped for the next game. He's come straight back in. He is going to be the one that plays. He's our tetra number one, and I think we just need to get behind him. And the, um, uh, the, the the lead was taken by Luton um, at 3-2 on the 57th minute by Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley, a uh, journeyman who's been around a few clubs, uh, had a really good game. And he he's probably the star player for Luton in, in the game, I would have said. Um, Alex, do you want to talk us through uh, Rock, uh, Ross Barkley's goal? Um, and it did go underneath. I know we're, we're not going to try and dig out Raya too much, but Raya was really, really poor uh, in this one. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, he had he had a cracking game, uh, Ross Barkley. Um, I used to love watching him play for Everton. He was a brilliant player when he was um, younger, and he showed those same tendencies in this game. Um, and yeah, the finish, uh, not the best finish, um, and Raya just should have used his feet instead of trying to go down because just many didn't have time to dive down, and it was an awkward dive for him. Um, but yeah, I mean. It was probably his worst game in an Arsenal shirt, Raya. Um, just not a good game for him um, with his feet as well. Um, kicked the ball long mostly throughout the second half. Um, but I got really worried when they scored that third goal, Luton, because I thought this is going to be difficult to um, to come back from this because they've got the crowd going. We know how difficult it is to break them down. Um, so, yeah, it was. I thought it was going to be really tough from there. Luckily, we, we stroked back. Um, straight away, because I think that was important to to do so um, through Kai Havertz. Yeah, there's a good comment here by Trulls. Uh, Barkley uh, may be slower, but he's definitely smarter than he was in his early days. He's learned a little bit of knowledge. Trevor, uh, um, what what did you make of, of of it so far? We're 3-2 down, and Kai Havertz then goes to the other end of the pitch and um, he, he scores the equaliser. Trev? Oh, right... Yeah, it was lovely to see Evers go. I'm just still thinking about the comments. Because I didn't mention the goalkeeper, did I? I just said I thought we let some soft goals in. And and you boys immediately picked up that there was a goalkeeper issue. Which, for us Arsenal fans, we're all right. We'll back whatever goalkeeper plays. But it's now becoming a bit of a story in the media. It's becoming... Position something's bleeping here with me, boys. If I go off anyway, I'm sorry. But we, we saw it against Villa that day, obviously. Aid, you might want to turn your hearing aid down. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 the goalkeeper problem is not a problem for Arsenal fans, but they've got a story. They've got a story now, the media. And and they'll 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 lack they'll ha they'll keep at it and keep at it because that's what they like they love a story, especially about the Arsenal. So it ain't going to go away the Arsenal goalkeeper thing, you know. And while Ray is making mistakes, by the way, that one that went underneath him there, I wasn't going to mention it, but we played it. it was an embarrassing mistake for me. It was it was like a schoolboy mistake, schoolboy error. You don't dive on the floor like that, you know, and uh, and let it go under you. But the fact of the matter is, we've now got a problem that we needn't have had at Arsenal, you know, and the, the media won't leave it be, opposition won't leave it be, opposition fans won't leave it be. They'll be at us now for the rest of the season, probably, because as Dan says, Raya ain't going to go away, Raya's going to play, and they're going to give him, um, they're going to give him some severe grief. They are on all corners, and I hope he's a big enough man to improve and pull through it, but. Who knows? Is is my sound weird? Is it? So uh, it, 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 it could be your earphones. It could be the fifteen pints of Guinness. Um, you figure out which one. So, <laughs> yeah. Trevor, are you um are you speaking really slowly, or is it just brown? I'm trying <laughs> to speak really slowly because I know you'll have trouble concentrating eating that cake, Dan. <laughs> I know your mind will be elsewhere. Probably sitting uh, on top of mind, Christmas trees or something. Dan. His mind is always elsewhere. Always elsewhere. Um, 
So we made a couple of substitutions. We had a double substitution at 64 minutes. Sinny and Trossard on for Kivior and Martinelli. Um, by, Alex, the way, you about him. by the way, 60 million down. Kai Abbott scored again. Nah, 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 nah. Eh, eh. Can we, can we just go. quickly go over the, the Havertz goal? Uh, yeah, I've yeah, we need to. Do. It's a good goal. It's a good goal. And and again, like from Jesus, it was just a long ball, and he made something out of nothing. Um, waited for the perfect moment and slotted um, Kai Havertz through, who made a late run into the box once again, and finished. I mean, I'm starting to really, really like this guy, and he's just um, been announced as our player of the month as well. So, well, there's, I mean, some stat, there's some stats that come out about Kai Havertz um, and the comparison to him and Granit Xhaka and the difference in the team since Granit Xhaka has gone. Was that the key to why everything wasn't working and uh, the boo boys were out on Havertz's back? You look at some of these stats that are on here. Um, uh, comparisons per 90 games. So he's got less touches and maybe less passes, but I'm sure that many of those passes that um, Granit Xhaka had were sideways and backwards. The thing that stuck out to me was the duels, the number of duels he's winning in, in the game, 7.2 versus 3.8. And aerial duels, his aerial presence, which we said he was a big guy, uh, is important. And shots, he's actually far more attacking and far more aggressive. And, and that's starting to happen. I'm just well, glad that Arteta's oh, getting a, a trick out of him. I should hope he's form. I should hope he's far more attacking. He's an attacker, and and Jack is a defensive midfielder. Of course, he's going to be far more attacking. I get that, but Jack was pushed up into that same position and played in a more um, forward and advanced role, especially in his last season at the club. Uh, Trev, yeah, he's he's fundamentally a defensive player, but he was played in a more attacking role. I'm I'm interested what you guys think of this, right? Because I'm I'm still a little bit undecided here. I'm, I'm really pleased how Kai's playing. I think the last few games he's stepped up and got a few important goals. I think that's made his confidence grow. And I actually think he's going to be long-term an upgrade on Granit Xhaka. But I'm not sure... I mentioned it earlier about the balance in midfield. I'm not sure still how having him, Erdegaard and Rice in midfield works at the minute. I'm not sure... I think Kai is an improvement on Havertz. Um, sorry, on um, Xhaka. But whether Kai, Erdegaard and Rice is an improvement on Erdegaard, Jacker and Partey. I'm undecided. And I, I also feel like, although Kai's stats have improved, I'd imagine Erdegaard's have probably got a bit worse. And, and I think that might be whether they're still getting used to playing with each other, they're still trying to find their own balance. But long-term, I still feel like that won't be the three, the current three now, I still will change. And I feel it's, it's a bit down to himself sometimes as well, Odegaard. He's missed quite a few chances and he's underperformed his expected goals quite a lot this season compared to last season. I mean, you look at the chances that he had at Aston Villa. Normally he scores a couple oh, of those. Lordy. Oh, Lordy, Alex. That, that chance he missed at Aston that chance. Sorry about that smashing. That was down to drop in his beer. Um, smashed the glass and all. Now the barmaid's going to have a go at him. Oh, no, oh, you haven't seen. Typical Jamie O'Hara. No, what was I saying? I can't remember what I was bloody saying now, boys. I'm sorry. He, he missed He missed a big chance against uh, Aston yeah, Villa. Yeah, that, that chance yeah, really? that, that Odegaard missed from the edge of the area when the ball was cut back to him. He doesn't. That's the first one of them I've seen him miss, ever. He yeah. doesn't miss those, does he? He's clinical he, with those. 
before we jump onto the Villa game, but just on that comment, he did do one very similar at Villa a season or so ago, where he was mm. at, in a very similar area, and and he fluffed his lines and went to the side of the, the, the um, side of the post. Um, look, we made two substitutions: Zinni and Trossard for Kivio and Martinelli. Alex, you mentioned the importance of having Zinchenko in the, in the game uh, because um, you know what, what are you pointing at, Brownie boy? Just wanted to do that. Lovely lady was coming to serve Trevor and I just wondered if she is. Oh, okay. <laughs> that lovely lady is um, sweeping up Dale's broken glass. I'm live on television here and they saw you on the television. If she, if she leaves it there, I'll, I'll get the train down and I'll come and help her sweep it up. She, she's oh, thinking Trevor's on, on telly gone, Jesus, these English people are people that drunk on telly. There's <laughs> 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 no substitutions. The impact that uh, that, that uh, bringing Zinchenko on and, and it did uh, change the impetus of the game. And we just chucked everything, the kitchen sink, everything at them. Um, Trev, just go on mute while you're, while you're not talking. It's just an awful lot of background noise. Um, and then... Uh, uh, Declan Rice, and we mentioned Odegaard, but it was Odegaard's swift, uh, swift change in play that brought this goal around. Alex, talk us through Odegaard's uh, switch in play and just change the angle uh, for Declan. Yeah, I mean, I think he had a really good game against Lutz and Odegaard, um, to be fair. Um, and yeah, I really think that Sinchenko um, changed the game when he came on and gave us more stability. Um, Kivio really didn't have many successful actions in that game. Um, all he really did was trying to play sort of a blind pass into Martinelli, which never really seemed to work. Um, so I think when Sinchenko came on, um, it allows us to uh, build up a bit more and give us a bit more control. But um, but but Luton, they did well in sort of breaking the rhythm rhythm towards the end of the game. Um, so uh, I really didn't think we were going to nick nick it in the end. Um, but somehow we <laughs> managed to, and again, it was Declan Rice who's He's just—he's just been so important for us. Um, I don't think he had the best game um, besides the goal, but then he just gives us a goal instead of um, instead of that. Um, and I mean, he's—he's he's worth worth his price totally. Um, and no one's even speaking of his price, which says a lot. Um, and he just yeah. keeps on improving, and he scores goals. He dominates the midfield. Um, He's yeah. I saw I saw some some Arsenal fans started to do a, like a, a fundraiser to pay West Ham more money because they felt we robbed them off of of quite a few quid, um, which I can only agree to because yeah, he's been su sublime. Mm. Um, and after that uh, celebration, uh, Dan um, Arteta was given a yellow card, which means he wasn't available uh, to be on the touchline um, against uh, Aston Villa. There wasn't much room. I don't know. Like we all had to watch it on telly. None of us could could get to the game itself because tickets were like rare as rock and roll shit. Um, and there was one point where, I don't know if it was Townsend or, or there was a player trying to take a throw in in front of the technical area, in front of uh, Arteta. Arteta's foot is on the dotted line. Um, and he had to say, excuse me, would you mind to move back because he could just get enough purchase on the ball to make it have a throw in. He He's jumped out uh, when we scored that 96th, 97th minute goal. What manager and what team member on the bench is not going to jump out. Funnily enough, the exact same thing happened when City and Pep Guardiola done it. No yellow card. What did you make of just giving a yellow card to a manager for that reason, Dan? Oh, I mean, where do we start? Did we start with a clear agenda that they've got against us in things like that? 
Arteta is rubbing people up the wrong way. That that that's a fact. And I I speak to many many fans that think the same thing. And a few fans have said to me, Arteta is the most unlikable person that they 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 know. They don't like him as a manager. He doesn't come across well. And their comments were, it's only you Arsenal fans that like him. And again, this is just another thing that, in my opinion, has been built up by the media. You've you've got the likes of Richard Keyes that have been moaning about him for the same things that everyone else does. It's just, it's it's with the Arsenal and, and people don't seem to like us as a fan base or a club. So I, I do genuinely think that's a bit, a bit more to it. But also... You, do you, do you think it comes of, uh, from... Do you think it comes partly from his outburst that he comes along and says about uh, like um, it was clear and obvious was uh, is after the the, the Villa game uh, his comments about the referee uh, where it was disgraceful disgusting um, a couple of weeks back which has been gone round the media 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 and I'll come to Trevor on something after this but um, do you think well, well, it's what, difference, that? what difference is there to the likes of Roy Hodgson saying it other than he's liked <laughs> the likes of Deserby that says it other than he's liked in the media. It's honestly, it's a media agenda. A media, the media will spin it however they want, and they'll make someone look worse and someone look better for the exact same thing. But if we're talking a bit more generic, the FA are trying to sanitise the game, and I think they're trying to sanitise it way too much. There, there are things that need to change in the game. There are need. There's the need for respect on the pitch. There's the need for people to stop crowding referees and to let referees do their job. Um, but yeah, I. I debate whether even if they're left alone, they can do their job. But there's some things like that off the pitch where you're trying to take passion out of the game and you're going to ruin the game. I don't know mm. if you saw the um, the media post Chelsea and Everton that Sean Dyke said about the, the celebration, how he loved it, where the player was sliding on his knees and the passion. He had just on a celebration, no dancing, no cameras, no nothing. Yeah, so, that's, yeah. that's what Arteta did. And Arteta had that moment where his team had just nicked one at the death to send them further clear at the top. So mm. how can how can that be at a card offence? I, I it's beyond me. I don't know, Tre- Trevor. Um, I know you put a tweet up about this. Hang, hang on a second, Trevor. I know you put a tweet up about this. Leading on from how Arteta's got a yellow card. Dan saying there's a media agenda against Arteta and possibly Arsenal, and then you've got Roy Hodgson who comes quite blatantly uh, is coming to end of his end of career and just said exactly what he feels. And I'll just play a little bit of it uh, and then we'll have a little chat. Threshold for four fouls, but that's what we're told anyway. Yeah. And, and you really don't feel that yeah. that met it. We're talking way. too much about the referees. I mean, the fact is, I'm afraid I've been in football a long time and games like today make me realise that uh, when the day comes to leave it behind, I won't be missing anything. This is just... I won't play any more than that, but it's a, it's, a, it's a really good interview. It's on our Facebook page if you want to have a look at it. But Trevor, he's just said it as it is. He, he's not happy. He goes on to complain about VAR. And he's very, very honest. And that's all that Arteta has ever been. He's never been disrespectful. And he gets a yellow card for that. Is it an agenda against Arteta? I, I think there's, there's obviously something not right for this because these officials, they can't get handball calls right. They can't get offside calls right. They can't get most things right, you know, but they book a manager for celebrating the goal, you know, and if that's the most important thing they've got to worry about, then that's another thing in the black book for our officials, because they, they, they should be they should be looking at other things than that, you know. 
Roy, Roy spoke there, and it was funny because I put a, a tweet, I quoted that on Twitter, and um, said how much that I thought that Roy, I supported what Roy said, and 99% of people supported me, and and this is the important point. The only funny comments I got, or the or the shut up comments I got, or your the your embarrassing comments I got, were when were mainly from Liverpool fans. And and you can't sort of blame them for that because it was Liverpool that were playing against Crystal Palace, but with these fans and and have got to start thinking outside the box. They've got to start. They've got to stop thinking about their team when they have a problem and laughing at others. Because if they keep doing that, that's the get out clause for the bad officiating to continue. You know, Newcastle fans, they 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 got away with one against us. A terrible decision against us, but then they were on the wrong end of one, and then the other week, and then Liverpool fans, these these same Liverpool fans that were telling me to shut up, Crystal Palace deserved all they got, were probably the same fans that were calling for a game against Tottenham to be replayed, replayed. Mm. They wanted the game replayed because they got a bad decision. So the only time it's going to change is when all us fans come together. And you, I've done it this week. I did not mention the Arsenal Villa game on Twitter this week. I was gutted at the way they disallowed that goal from Havertz. I thought that is awful. But I didn't mention it because us fans have got to somehow come together and make the point to these officials that they're ruining the game for us with these decisions. I mean, since I'm mentioning it now, how on earth, how on earth do you give handball against Carl Havertz in that game? We'll, we'll, we'll do that. How does that happen? But I'm looking at the bigger picture, Ferg. We've got to stick together, us fans, and we've got to change it. Sorry, Ferg, you carry on now because you know how, 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 how this affects yeah, It makes yeah, me not yeah. want to watch football, Ferg, you know? And, and not me, but many other high profile people are now starting to say, why am I watching football? Why am I watching a great team like um, Manchester City or. Liverpool or Arsenal or Tottenham or Newcastle or whoever. Why am I watching these teams play football when I know for a fact at the end of the day the game is likely to be decided by another influence apart from good football? And it mm. needs to stop. It was, it's awful. It's awful. We went to Villa Park on Saturday and there were some controversial decisions in there. Um, they had uh, won 14 games un unbeaten. The last time they'd lost um, at Villa Park was to Arsenal in February. Uh, that 4-2 game where Martinez, Martinez, whatever you want to call him, um, <clears throat> the, uh, put that beautiful goal on the back of the net. The lineup, uh, Alex, uh, the only change in the lineup was Zinchenko was back in the lineup. Um, and it was, um, he's done it again, he's done it again, mate. That's it, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the only change in the lineup was uh, Zinchenko was in for for Kivior, and it also was uh, Martin Odegaard's 100th Premier League appearance for the Arsenal. Um, were you pleased with the lineup? For me, the lineup was what we've said the best 11 we have available. My fear is looking at the bench, there was no game changers on there. Yeah, I agree. I think um that is our strongest lineup at the moment. Um uh yeah, I was happy that Sinchenko came in for Kivio. Um but yeah, then you look at the bench and you think, who's gonna change the game for us if we haven't got a goal in the first 60, 70 minutes? Um Trossard 
Habs, he's done well coming off the bench. Eddie hasn't really done too well when he's come off the bench. He's done well when he started games. Um, Nelson hasn't really played much. And then we have um, a couple of youngsters and Cedric, who's still at the club. Um, can't really believe it when I, when I see his name every every, every game on, on the bench. Um, but yeah, it was a difficult game coming in, into this one. Um, they just blown City off off the pitch um, a couple of days ago earlier. Um, and they are really, really in form, Aston Villa. Um, he's done such a good job, Unai Emery, um, with not, I mean, not top players, but he's turned them into top players. Um, I'm thinking of a player like Douglas Lewis, who's, who, I mean, we almost um, signed him uh, for about 25, 30 million pounds uh, when he'd not been playing the best under Steven Gerrard. Now he's probably a hundred plus million pound signing. Um, Watkins is doing brilliantly as well. John McGinn, um, he's really done well. Um, Unai Emery, so you just have to take your hat off. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we had to survive the first ten minutes uh, of the game because um, we knew they'd they'd start off strong and get the crowd going, and we didn't really manage to um, stand stand against that and. We ended up conceding in the first ten minutes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, I don't they, know. I'm cool. not, not sure. I fully agree with that. To be honest, Alex. I think we did stand against it. If I'm honest, we we made a mistake. Um, if you look here, I think Ben White needs to get to, tighter to him. He shouldn't be letting him turn. Um, but that was really the only that mistake and probably I think positioning of uh, our left hand side. But- I think it was but five that, five passes from the halfway line. Bailey cut through half of the defence, and then, yeah. as you said, Ben White, and then Ben White and McGinn. And McGinn had a really good game against us. And I, I was there with you as well. And I agree that probably was the only thing that we made a mistake in the rest of the game. We more than deserved. There's there's a lot of space point. there. I think that that's the problem, right? There is too much space there in midfield. And I think going back to what I said earlier about the balance of the midfield. You look at that lineup. I can't remember if I said it on the podcast last week or not, but I was sitting there thinking I would start Jorginho in that midfield alongside Rice because this is the t- a typical game that if fit we would have part-time Rice playing together, and we would be able to be a bit more solid. Rice is a fantastic player, and this system is there to make the most of what he can do, and he can cover a lot, a lot of ground. But when he's not able to cover ground, there is too much space there. And I think that's where we get, we're getting caught out. But other than that, I thought we had 85 minutes pushing back the most informed team in the Premier League. And we should have had a goal without touching on it now. This is the team that absolutely dominated the league champions a few days before that. And we put in the best performance I've seen so far this season against, them, against Man City. And we, in my opinion, should have got something out of their game and could have quite easily got more than just a point. As it was, we were very unlikely to come out of it without anything. I just think that's one one game where we need to sort of brush ourselves down and say, right, we're disappointed. We didn't get the result we want, but we're happy with our performance. We've got things we need to improve, but let's go on to the next game. Let's make sure we get three points against Brighton and let's make sure we get the confidence back going into the game at Anfield and make sure we beat we can beat them at Anfield and go top again. And I, and I do think yeah. we can go to Anfield and win, but I do think we need to be a little bit more solid in the opening 10 rather than having Tra- Tra- 
Trev, uh, sorry, I'll come back to you in a second, Alex. Uh, there were Odegaard and, and um, Saka, both the choices, uh, chances in the first half. Odegaard in particular, I think, is the one you talked about earlier, where he shot straight. It was clear on the keeper, and um, rather than going lobbing over the keeper, he went straight at the keeper and hit the keeper in the gut, effectively. Um, Odegaard didn't have the, the best of games, do you think? No, I, I think the whole team played okay, Fergus, to be honest. Odegaard missed that chance. But apart yeah. from that, I thought he played his normal game. I wasn't disappointed in any of them. Dan, Dan nailed it in that we don't have to play any better than we played to get something out of that game another day. You know, we really were right on it. And the only thing that was disappointing for me that was that the plan B when it came on was the same as the plan A. It didn't, it didn't change our shape or our pattern really for me. So I think that we played, as, as Dan just said, I'm repeating what Dan said really because Dan's exactly right in that we played a very good Aston Villa side that were full of confidence, as chock block full of confidence after the way they turned City over. They've got they've got a fantastic manager in Emery. You know me, I won't have a bad word said about Emery. And we played against that team at their ground, and we were the better side from big parts of the game. Another day we played exactly the same when we score a goal. Odegaard scores. You know what I mean? Or Saka scores. And and, and I think as Dan said, we, we've just got to put that to bed. Got to put it to bed and, and not put it to bed in a bad mood even. I'm not even in a bad mood about that game thinking we could have we could have we could have done better because I think we really played well. I'm not going to dwell on it anymore, but the only thing that upset me was the referee's decision disallowing the goal. But when you look at how we played, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change well, Alex, it. I wish we had a better plan, Pete, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't just um, the disallowed goal. Like we came out in the second half and were out two or three minutes before the game kicked off, and they came out and they really made business. And you know, we really turned the pressure on after conceding that early goal. It was all Arsenal, continuously Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. But yes, we fluffed our lines a few times. Um, Odegaard uh, fluffed his lines. Martinelli, uh, he was playing way far out in the right, but he he was well marked out of the game and, and kept quite Ill, Ill effective. Saka again, there were two people on Saka, and it just makes a little bit more difficult for him to operate but Odegaard had a, a, another shot which he shot wide Saka had a chance that was ruled offside uh, and you know it, it, it wasn't from the lack of effort and the lack of trying but decisions made by the officials like this one which I'm going to show you now um, just make you wonder what the hell is that referee seeing so this yeah. this is the elbow on, on Eddie I think that that one was probably the one for me that was um, the worst one. I think um, I know we'll discuss this, but I think that was the one for me that he didn't get it right. Um, I think the Jesus one, yes, there's contact, but he goes to ground pretty easily. Um, so I'm not too mad about that one. Um, the the handball one, by the letter of the law, has to be disallowed. So we could be mad about the rules, but I mean that's how it is. We'll discuss that in, in more detail. But you now mentioned the, uh, the the penalty. Now myself and Dan were in the car watching some of this stuff on the way back, and as we were driving up earlier in the day, I've got the steals, I haven't got the video, but uh, there was a very very similar foul um, that uh, Palace got a penalty against Liverpool. 
um, yeah. with a slight contact under the back of the leg. Uh, very, very similar contact for Jesus uh, versus uh, Aston Villa. Now, when I saw that, Dan, I said to you in the car, soft, I would have been annoyed if it was given against us. But it's the consistency. And VAR had to overturn that one um, to give Palace the, the penalty two minutes in after the game had restarted. So, you know, and, and VAR should have picked up a possible red card. It didn't even go to VAR after that. So, you know, it, 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 it's lack of consistency in, in, in some of the decisions. Yeah, I mean, we, we sit in the car on the way back, right? We watched it back and first thought was, would be soft. I'm changing my mind a little bit on this the more I see it I and mean, the more I watch that and the Palace one and other other things. I, I don't think it's the same as the Palace one. I think the Palace one is a bit more of a penalty than the Jesus one, I think, when you look at it. I think he yeah. impedes his movement towards the ball, which is, I think, why that's more of a penalty and physically stops him getting to the ball. The, the Jesus one, the reason I'm in two minds is as... A person playing football, I'd be really frustrated if that was given as a penalty because I think that amount of contact shouldn't make a footballer drop to the ground the way it does. And for me, it's not enough contact for a penalty. But in the modern game, the way the rules are, that contact is enough for a penalty. You don't have to have contact to bring a player to the ground. It just has to be contact. So for me, that's another instance of where the rule is wrong. Um, and I agree that shouldn't be a penalty. By, but by the letter of the law, I think it should have been given, even though I don't think it for the right of football I, should be. A- I completely agree, Dan. Completely agree um, with with everything you said. I think um, the then. problem is that we, we we the problem is we see those kind of penalties. Uh, they've been given so many times, so we kind of expect them to be given when we see stuff like that, and then when we don't, we get frustrated. But yeah, I mean, Alex, you, sh- you've only got to go back to um, do you remember the David Luiz one against against Wolves, where the final yeah yeah it was enough to be yeah, I mean, that's a silly one, and, and that's and I don't know if you remember the was it the Granite Jacker one against Man City at home when we went down to ten men and gave away the penalty and 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 those are the the instances that really frustrate me where there is no consistency and 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 minute contact is given as a penalty yet that isn't a penalty now. They're, they're talking about setting a high bar of VAR where it has to be above a threshold. Where are you setting this threshold? Because the threshold is ju- judgmental, and I don't think that should be a judgmental point. Yeah. There's there's but, contact and foul or there isn't, or what what what's the rule? But they're they're trying to say the threshold for intervention, and that just leaves things open to manipulation, game in, game out, and differences between who the officials on VAR. I generally think there should be a completely separate hub for VAR where it's the same members on games and it shouldn't be changing between different weeks and, and different games. And, and, and it, you have to have some element of consistency, I think, for VAR. And I know that creates issues where there's like three o'clock games and where there's four or five games in at one go. But if you have a hub of 20 people, all on, let's say, one game, and then when there's four or five, you split them off and they oversee it. The same people overseeing the decision at the top, I think, makes makes a, makes a difference. That would make sense, yeah. But I think it, it just shouldn't have come down to the referee's decision this game. We should have closed it ourselves and not been dependent on getting a, a sort of 50-50 penalty. Yeah. Mm. Lots of different opinions. Uh, some people saying, like uh, like uh, Matt said, there two players come to at the same time. He shouldn't. We shouldn't be giving a soft uh, penalty like that. Uh, other comments about uh, Trevor. 
uh, Ben and Andy are concerned about uh, your welfare and they want to make sure that you don't, uh, you know, you've been, had a long day traveling and you look a little bit tired. Are you okay boring. then, Trevor? Because you boys are boring me with your bollocks. That's what it is. So <laughs> oh, now he's swearing as well. He's definitely pissed. <laughs> no, uh, you see, it's really interesting listening to what you're all saying because you're, <laughs> you're all giving different views and opinions, but at the end of the day, VAR and, and the officials are letting us down in one way or another. You know, we pick up on one and then we miss another one, and I'm just done with it. I, I'm sat here in here now. I've had a few beers, but I'm not feeling the best. So I'm sorry if I'm a bit down, but I'm not bothered about watching bloody football. I'm genuinely not bothered about watching football. I'm not going to go on about it. I've done it to death. I've done it to death. I can't give it up, mate. I can't give it up, mate. I just, I just want to have a weekend, right, where you boys and me, we sit down and we talk about football, right? We talk about a game we love. We talk about how good the football's been and how good the players were. But it's not happening. And it's doing my head in. It's, doing, it's driving me a distraction. It's driving this old fella round the bend. I want to talk about and watch football. Uh, Arnie's figured out that you've only had two pints as well, so because he knows you very well by now. So, yeah. Um, uh, Tr Trevor, if you want to come back on this one, this is the, the, the Havertz goal in real time. I've got some clips of the VAR as well that we can look at. Um, let's just watch it in real time for a second. Uh, really well worked uh, cross uh, comes to Havertz, and you know Eddie's in there as well. If Eddie gets that, then there is there is no discussion. Um, the the um, the goal stands, Trev. If, if Eddie gets it, did Eddie not put it in? I thought Eddie did put it. No, I thought he cash not iron ball. Yeah, did cash not iron ball the ball before, before Havertz oh. did, and I listened to Carragher on the telly before we even watched all that. Say, oh yeah, the the, the, the referee's got that exactly right. What a load of bull crap! What a complete and utter load of bull crap! I don't know if the referee got it right or wrong. I haven't got a clue. It was that close, and it was that. It, it it was that mixed up. I don't know whether he got it right or wrong. It could have gone anyway, that ball. You could look at it a thousand true, times true, over. True, true. You're, you're being watched. You what? You're being watched. Oh, God. I love you, baby. <laughs> I love you, Tom. <laughs> what, do you, what do you see there? You could, I challenge people to look at that, what happened there, ten times over. And ten times you watch it, you'll see something different, right? You'll see something different. So, if it weren't a goal, it weren't a goal. But how on earth a commentator can come on the telly and say, "Yeah, they've got it exactly right." Who knows? See, Eddie puts it in. Eddie puts it in, doesn't he? No. Look at Eddie's foot at the end here. Uh, I know he puts it his was, foot in, but he doesn't get he doesn't get any contact. It was Havertz. Unfortunately, yeah, was it This is it really I, close um, up. This is it really close up. So it, it does come off cash. It does. See, so you're doing it now. We're doing it now. We're looking at it over and over again on our pod, on our little old podcast. I still can't decide what's happened. So how on earth that can be clear, a clear and obvious error? Who knows? Who knows? Oh, the crap. <laughs> 
Mm. Honestly, I I'm, um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit with you, Trevin. That I um I initially thought it was Eddie's goal when when we got in the car. Ferg, I said that can't be ruled out by handball if Eddie's put it in. And then watching it back, it took me a few times to realise that apparently yeah, Eddie had not put it in and it was Havertz, and that was obviously the reason why it was ruled out. But again, by the by the letter of the law, they've technically got it right, but it just shows how complete and utter crap these rules are because it's a rule that is against football. How can how can a an accidental handball rule a goal out when the exact same thing happens two seconds before that by a defender? Surely there's consistency in that if it's a foul for a striker, then it's also a foul for a defender and it's therefore also a penalty. That there's no difference between a handball by a defender and a handball by an attacker. It's a foul. A foul is a foul. And it shouldn't matter where you know who who it hits. Like if if not, what what's the difference? They might as well say, well, if it hits an Arsenal player's hand, it's a foul. If it doesn't hit an Arsenal player's hand, it's not a foul. Because that's that's how it that that's what it feels to me. It's it's just a ridiculous well, it, decision. It, exactly, Dan. Exactly, because the rhetoric at the moment seems to be, oh, the attackers handballed it. Not in that instance, but I'm talking in general. The attackers handballed it. That's a, that 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 shouldn't have been a goal. But if if the defender handballs it and stops a blatant goal, they don't seem to put so much, so much value to that, you know? It's all about the... the oh, I don't know, I'm talking absolute crap now, because it's doing me any. So, I think you carry on, boys. I'm, I'm just going to listen to the crap you talk instead of the crap I talk. Well, we're nearly finished. You can go back to your beer in a minute. Here comes a load of crap then, but I saw that, um, which was a good point, but... Um, they they sort of they reworded the the handball uh, rules in 2014, which was of course before the VAR. So they've reworded it before VAR, which means it's it's quite incompatible with VAR because then we get those shit decisions like the accidental handballs, and then they've they reworded again in 2019 because before it was if any uh, attacking player in the attacking phase. Uh, accidentally handballed it it was ruled off but now it's only if the scoring player um, handballs it so hopefully they'll go the next step and sort of remove uh, the accidental handball on the scorer as well um, I think for me the solution would be only if the scorer scores with his hands or arms or whatever so I think if it's before he I mean, scores the goal like it was with Havertz, it shouldn't be ruled out. But if he scores with his hands or arms, I think it's still fair to rule it out. Paul's very right, though. We should have had the game wrapped up by this. There's so many different exactly. chances that we could have. And we're talking about football. Uh, we, talk, we should be talking about the football like what Trevor said. And here we are talking about inconsistencies in the officials again. It is it's absolutely ridiculous. Partly down on Arsenal not, not, not finishing their lunch and partly down on officials themselves. Um, well, one of the good things. That was a good point, Paul, to make there. Yeah, it is a really good point. Really good point. Also, I don't know if you've got it, but I didn't realise how close that Saka offside looked when I've seen it back. It looks a lot. It was very close. Yeah, I, I saw the, I saw the still. It's his arm and his leg that are uh, where it, it's a stride. And again, that's a, a thing I'd like to change with the offside rule because the offside rule seems. Like a toenail can put you offside because you can score with the tip of your, your, your boot. It should be like you know, daylight. The old daylight rule, I, I think, should should be in it. You know, I, I don't think like Ozil against Tottenham. What was it? Nearly ten years ago, and his eyes were offside and stuff like that. You know, it's 
it's just it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. One good thing that did come out of the game was uh, the pre-match uh, atmosphere. And again, there's another good comment by Paul earlier on. The atmosphere in the concourse on Saturday was was brilliant. The result wasn't great. Uh, a new song was born. Lyling hearing at the end there, that was brilliant. <laughs> it was a good atmosphere. It was a good uh, build up to the game, and you could feel that it was going well in the in the stands until the start. And then the early goal just really took the sap out of it. And I, I spoke to my son uh, the following day, and he said, like, oh, you could hear the Arsenal fans. Uh, you were really noisy. But again, it's the it's the the, the sound effects of the put in the stadium. I don't think we were that noisy, Dan. Do you? I think it was quite. Table. No, I didn't really didn't really feel like we were in the stand, to be honest with you. I think we, we need to find a way of transferring that from the concourse into the uh into the stands a bit better. But um the early goal obviously doesn't help. It it does flatten you a little bit, but yeah, we could have we could have been a bit louder after that as well. Some positives that you took out of the game, Alex. Um you gave me some uh things about the chances we created. Do you want to go into a little bit more? Yeah, I just think there were so many positives to take from the game. Um, we saw City a couple of days earlier, how much they struggled against Aston Villa. And I think we came in and dominated them and created loads of chances. And we managed to play uh, the game on our premises. Um, we we dominated Villa throughout, I mean, what Dan said, eight, five minutes of the game. Um, it's just It was just one of those days where we just didn't take our chances. So... I think if we played that game another nine times, we'd win that nine times out of ten. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Arteta weren't even on the touchline as well. I think the team did very well um, throughout the game and hopefully we can take that away form with us when we go to another uh, tough ground soon against Liverpool um, and, and do as well as we did against Aston Villa. The left-hand side didn't seem to work so well for you? Yeah, I think for me, um, last season, I think Martinelli was amongst our top scorers. And I think he's just struggled a bit this season. Of course, he's been injured um, and apparently he's carrying a bit of an injury now as well. But I think he's just struggled a bit compared to how well our right-hand side is doing. And I think, of course, it's to do with the fact that Havertz come in. Um, he worked really well with Shaka last season, Martinelli. Um Tinchenko hasn't played all the games as well, so but he's he's just struggling a bit, and he's I think he's only scored two goals now, um, compared to Saka, who's on eleven goal contributions. So we're just very dependent on the right hand right hand side. Um, I mean Havertz, he's started to chip in with a few goals now, and I just hope that he he sort of finds that goal scoring form, Martinelli. But he is he's um, working very hard uh, back backwards as well because Sinchenko is a bit vulnerable at the back back um so yeah, defensively yeah defensively yeah. yeah so hopefully we can see that same um you know goal scoring Martinelli that we saw last season where he scored 15 goals I think it was in, in the Premier League Dan would you um would you swap Martinelli and Jesus around maybe because 
you know, as he's not getting as many opportunities on the left wing, maybe is he running out of ideas? Maybe is it not working for him? Maybe is it Jesus? Uh, uh, is it um, Havertz? Is it having to cover for Sinchenko? Whatever. It's just an idea that Matt came along and said, would you consider doing that? No, not at all. We've got two of the best wingers in the world, one on either side, and they're so good that people have to stick two men on them every single game. And you're now expecting them to do something week in, week out when they're being marked, not now man-marked, but doubly man-marked and sometimes triply man-marked. So we will reap the rewards of that where men get attracted to them if we spread the play and switch play quicker and we isolate people one-on-one. And then it will create spaces for other people, a bit like it did on the weekend um, for Odegaard. We just need to take the chances when they come. Hmm. Trevor, um, the last point on this one, um, you felt that the keeper, our keeper, got bullied by um, by by Villa. Did you think that was a, a an actual tactic to try and put him under pressure because of what's going on in the media? I, I don't think Villa tried to bully him. Villa tried to pick up on something they'd noticed coming out in the media during the week in that there's all these talks about Raya. Ramsdale, Raya, Ramsdale, Raya, Raya. made a couple of games uh, mistakes at Luton, so the pressure's on him. And I think they, they absolutely decided they were going to surround him. There were, there were five or six players around him at every corner. Um, even the Villa fans were onto it. The Villa fans were, were giving him a bit of grief every time he touched the ball. That's how it sounded on the television. You know, so yeah, and 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 they people they were picking it up on the TV as well. The commentators were, were clearly were clearly pointing to the fact that they thought the rail was under pressure. So yeah, the poor lad, I thought the poor lad got a bit of stick. He's gonna get it because it's the situation we're in. I thought he handled it well against Spinner. I thought he had a, a decent game in fairness. So, but but he's got to get used to it. He's gonna get surrounded. I mean. Rice was back there trying to protect him. It was interesting to see, but Villa were just outnumbered him, just surrounding him. And with what goes on, yeah, it did, Paul, you're right. It did look very nervous and it showed on the pitch. But, you know, with what goes on at the moment, he's going to be nervous. But if we bring Ramsdale back in, Ramsdale's going to be nervous. It's the situation we're in. So we stick with Raya, I think, and, 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 and we... We hopefully he doesn't make the same mistakes he did at Luton, and and he grows out of this little period that is really not his fault. Although he made the mistakes, it's not his fault that these other teams are picking up on the situation. Phil, Phil tried to bully him at corners, of that, of no doubt. It's, it's interesting it's interesting you say we, we, we stick with Raya. So we're going into the game tomorrow night, uh, quarter to six at uh, quarter to seven your time, in the Philips Stadium in Eindhoven, a place we were last last uh, last year. And we didn't come away with a win. Uh, we don't necessarily need a win. It'd be nice to have a win just to get a bit of um, revenge for for last season, especially on those steps because they don't half hurt. Um, the, uh, would you would you be playing Raya in goal? tomorrow or would you be playing Ramsdale given the opportunity that we should be able to rotate the squad quite heavily Trevor well I'm probably wrong here Fergus but yeah I'd definitely play Ramsdale if, if, if Arteta is going to choose Rares as number one then he plays right and he starts to try and put his issues that we've got to bed he says Rares me number one and we stick him with him leave him alone 
Um, it's going to be an interesting game tomorrow night because all the Eindhoven Oven fans I've spoken to today are the same frame of mind as us. They've all been saying to me, you're just here for the beer boys because the, the game means nothing, does it? So it will be interesting how it plays out. I know we're going to finish second. We're going to finish top. Um, are the players going to bother much? Who knows? Who knows? But the general consensus in Eindhoven today from the Eindhoven fans is that who cares? Who cares? That's that's their feeling. Dan, uh, PSV are 15 wins out of 15 in the in the uh, Dutch league. Um, we beat them 4 0 back in um, back at the Emirates, where we looked scintillating in the Champions League. Um, it is an opportunity to rotate heavily. Would you uh, answer the same question and say, would you play Raya rather than Ramsdale? And then do you look at the likes of Eddie, Trossard, Jorginho, Kivior um, rotating as well? Um, and is there anybody else in, in, in the wings that you might bring in? Yeah, I mean, firstly, it's, it's crazy, right? I haven't got the stats to hand, but I looked at the league table um, for the Eredivisie the other day and 15 out of 15 <laughs> is absolutely unreal because it is, it, I'm not saying it's the best league in the world, but it isn't a poor league. There's some very good sides there. And I know Ajax have had a poor start to the season, but I think they were like 20 something points off at the top and are they like 11 clear or 12 clear or something like that? I think. Um, yeah, I think they're 12 clear. So crazy, they yeah. certainly they don't need to be, uh, you know, resting players even themselves. Even though they're um, they're sort of what three points clear now in the group, they don't need to be resting players. The worry for me last week was if they needed to get something from the game that we couldn't be rotating the squad heavily because they are a good side, and I didn't want to come away from Einhover and get battered. So. I'm glad to see Eindhoven are three points clear and maybe they'll probably rotate a few players too. So that will probably mean we can rotate players. However, I'd still like to see us get back to winning ways. I mean, momentum's a big thing and going into Brighton, yeah. which yeah. notoriously in recent years we've done poorly at home against Brighton. We need a bit of confidence. So I think attacking players, I would still be playing the majority of them to hope they bag a few goals. But in for me, where I'd rotate is in defence because I'm really, really worried about our strength in depth at the minute because of a few injuries. We've only really got Kivior that can come in and then you're probably looking at Waters coming in as well and, and maybe Cedric. So we don't have much depth um, at the minute. So I think where I would rotate would be in defence more than anything else. I don't think you can rotate your attacking players and have a very inexperienced defence because together it won't work. Um, I do think I'd probably play Ramsdale in this game because... The idea is to put your sub-keeper in for the games that don't matter too much to give them game time. So he should be coming in for this sort of game or a cup game or a Carabao Cup game as such. And he also deserves a Champions League game for what he did last year. He he got us there as well. He helped us qualify and he, de- he deserves to be getting Champions League games. So I hope he plays in this game. Um, but I do think Ray will be back in for Brighton. Yeah. Um, uh, Alex, anything to add on there? Um you know, there's the youth player. Is it is that Nyan Wary? That is he the one who's got the ten goals? Um, uh, I think that, that's that's the the Danish guy. Probably he's referring to uh, Chido Obi, who's I think he's 15, the, the tall striker. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, I think it would be good to see some of the young young players who's travelled to see them play. I think probably one of the guys we could see in defence is uh, Royal Walters, who's been with us on pre-season before um i could see him featuring because like dan said we are 
we are quite stretching it with our defence right now at the moment. They're playing a lot of minutes and we haven't really got many options on the bench. Um, Cedric isn't good enough to play in the Premier League for us, so we might see him play tomorrow, Cedric as well. Um, and I think the fact that they probably will rotate as well, they haven't really got anything to play for, means that we will rotate as well because um, I think if they did have something to play for, like Dan said, we wouldn't want to come there and get battered because it would sort of make us lose momentum uh, before the weekend's game. So I think the most important thing is that we just rotate and give our key players a rest. Uh, Martinelli hasn't travelled, so he's not going to be playing. Um, Saka, I think, won't be playing either. He's managing the, the foot injury that he has. Um, so, I mean, it's time for some of our fringe players and some of our youngsters to to step up and it's a chance for them to to shine in, in the Champions League, um, which must be like a dream for a lot of them um, to, to play in the Champions League and and possibly score. So it's a massive chance for, for a lot of our players. You've got to be careful, though, Alex, as well, because if you're playing Walters, he can play centre-back or right-back, but you're playing maybe, let's say, a centre-back... <clears throat> And you don't play him next to a, a sleeve, or you don't play him with rice in front of him. He could be exposed in what is a big atmosphere, and you can quite easily ruin a young player's career early on and not their confidence. So we also don't want that to happen. I mean, I don't know exactly which youngsters have have travelled, but obviously Sego Junior had a had a run in the cup. Um, Cozy Adibri looked pretty good when he's played in some friendlies before as well. Um, you know, people mentioned Banieri as well. We, we've got we've got enough good young players that can play, but I don't think you can play them all. Um, I don't think we are going to play them all. But I think the, um, I forgot his name. Who's the holding midfielder? Miles um, Skelly or Ross? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Lewis yeah. Skelly. Um, he he's also another quality player that, that could play. But again, yeah. you see him in front of of Walters in this sort of game. I don't think you can no. say Martinelli and Saka's not playing too. So. I don't think I would be expecting a heavily rotated squad in terms of 9, 10, 11 changes. Um, it might not start, but I think they will get game time, uh, especially yeah. Walters, because of the lack of options we have in defence. Mm. Uh, guys, then we go on to um, we go on to Brighton on Saturday. Brighton have a Europa League fixture, a, a tough fixture against Marseille. Uh, for them, thankfully, it's at the MX, so they don't have the huge amount of travelling. That means we're playing two o'clock on Sunday. Uh, horrible, horrible time slot. But um, predictions for the PSV game. Trevor, I'll come to you first. Predictions for the PSV game, and then predictions for Brighton at the weekend. PSV games, oh no, because none of us know what we're going to play. So uh, I'd be hazarding a massive guess. I don't know. I'll go for a one all draw. But it could, who knows who's going to play. Brighton game, massive, different story, absolutely different story. Brighton are a very good side. Coming to the Emirates, I think we'll beat them. Always think we'll beat them. I think Brighton will score, so maybe 2 1 to Arsenal on against Brighton. Mm. Um, Dan, do you want to come with us with uh, the scores? Yeah, I think tomorrow will be a tight. Game probably a draw two two. I'm going to go for with rotated teams. Um, Brian, I, honestly, I really, I, I'm thinking two one three one, but you just can't tell with Brian at home against us recently. Um, I just hope a lot gets taken out of them against Marseille and they have to go strong, and then they get a bit of a hangover. Um, and uh, Alex, your your thoughts and your scores? 
Yeah, I think it's tomorrow is going to be dependent on who who's playing, and I think if both teams are quite heavily rotated, I think we're going to see maybe a quite low scoring game. Um, but I'll go for a one one. Um, hopefully, some of our our better player starts at least for for Trevor and Dan's sake, so they get a, get a good game. Um, but yeah, good point you made about Brighton. They're playing Thursday, and they're playing for top spot in their group against Marseille, who's doing quite well as well. So. I mean, that could benefit us when we play them Sunday because, I mean, that's two extra days we get um, on them. So hopefully they're going to be a bit tired. Um, they haven't really played to their best, uh, the latest, and they've got a, quite a few injuries as well. I, th- I can see us scoring quite a few goals against them. I'll go for a, a 4-1. I, I think oh, wow. we'll concede as well. Well, you're not you're not here for Sunday's game, aren't you? Me? Yeah. Oh, you're... I know what you mean now. Exactly, yeah, you're not children. going. Yeah. You're not going. Yeah. So we, 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 the last yeah, I think three I times I've watched Brighton at home, we've lost. So I'm yeah, not coming so this you're, time. You're you're barred. Staying there's no rooms. There's no there's no picking up from airports. There's no nothing. No, nope. uh, exactly no, nothing whatsoever. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, the same as Smudger's gone. I'm gonna go one one for tomorrow, and I'm gonna go for two uh, one on uh, on Sunday. So it would really it really be. Good to get a result against them. Guys, it has been great. Uh, Trevor, you need to either get back on the horse and drink a load more of that lovely Moretti they got in that bar, or else you need to go to bed. But I think I know what you will do. As far as Donna's concerned, you're going to say you're going to get your head down and, and, and behave yourself. But once um, once Jamie O'Hara leads you astray, um, you'll be back on the Moretti. The, um, I, I was just waiting for him to finish an announcement here, because as you know, we're sat in the airport hotel. No, yeah. the um, it's uh, bedtime for me now, boys. I'm, as I said, I'm not feeling that best. Old age kicks in, and I have to knock it on the head. Feel a bit guilty because it's Dow's first European away. He's a top lad. There he is, the beautiful Jamie. I'm with here. He's, he's coming around here now to say hello, boys. Look, see, twins. look, 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 twins. It, twins. They're like twins. twins. Look, look at twins. He's <laughs> <laughs> legged it quick. Honestly, he, he doesn't have to look like it. So I'm knocking it on the edge tonight now, and uh, hopefully I'll be fit to go tomorrow. Um, and we'll see Dan tomorrow, and hopefully have a good day. But I hate being old boys. I fucking hate being old. Well, let's let, let's cheer you up before you go to bed with a nighttime lullaby. make a nice sleep nice and easy now trev um alex uh thanks very much for joining good luck with your uh, studies and everything else as always thank you mate thank you um dan just because the place looks red like this doesn't mean it's like for entertainment <laughs> purposes you know so i know you're in amsterdam oh and this wow is you look up. yeah they do not look like you mate <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's, um, if it's so scary like that you better worry 
in all honesty. <laughs> no more brownies, though. If they look like you, then I'm definitely staying in my, in my room. Well, you never know. Safe trip. Just remember, boys. Yeah. tomorrow. Go on. Just remember, boys. All we want for Christmas, right? All we want, all I want for Christmas, is a weekend of football to be decided by football players on the field. That would do for me. Wrap it up. Post it for any door. And um, what did, uh, I've lost it. Uh, where are we? Last one. Yeah, that's it. That, that's not recent. The, the the Brighton game. Christmas jumpers. So make sure you're wearing the Christmas jumpers of the Brighton game, everybody. Uh, and hats. I've got one whatever. with a picture of Jamie O'Hara on the front. <laughs> Is it all hit? Oh, no, just leave it. Just leave it. Just walk away. Step away from the edge. You have been watching Guns and Yellow, uh, Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Arsenal podcast. Come, come just, just, just spill it out. Don't, don't, don't hold back. I thought you were not that guy. No, I'm not. That's... Come uh, on. Your, your, your fans want to hear it. Come on. What? Which? You were just about to mention something about hair and something. Go on. No, I wasn't. I've just said bearded. That was all. So, yeah. There was um, a comment coming out there. There was, but I, I decided. What is going on here? Come on. What is going on here? It's not Canadian. As well. You have been watching Guns of the Year. Why is that big? Why is that big? Get him a Get him Thanks for listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too. Up the Arsenal.